You're listening to the USCA official podcast, which takes you behind the scenes of eventing, covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests, and the latest USCA eventing news. Welcome to the USCA official podcast and listeners, it is our first episode of 2023. Happy New Year. I hope that you have all had the most brilliant Christmas um, and that you are set and ready for what we hope is going to be an absolutely brilliant year. And this show, we hope, is going to get you off on the right foot because we have pulled in Irish Olympian listeners at Ecoratings' very own Sam Watson to give us some inspiration for 2023. Sam, no pressure, but we're counting on you. We're counting on you to get off to a good start. Well, Nicole, I'm feeling inspired just because you've brought me on to the USEA official podcast. You, you, I rarely have this honour and this pleasure. Uh, so yeah, great to be on. Thank you very much. Happy 2023. God, it feels mad when we say happy 2023, doesn't it, listeners? Um, look, I, I think the important point is we have got a new year. And one thing that I always find when you get to the start of a, a new year and the season is fast approaching and everybody has all of these big ideas and big hopes and Instagram is full of all these resolutions and it can be a little bit overwhelming. But actually, it's a great time to kind of reset, rebalance. And so this show is all about breaking it down a little bit and kind of saying, okay, how can we make small changes that hopefully are sustainable in the long term um, and hopefully give us all a bit of purpose and direction over the next few months in particular. So I, I think, Sam, first of all, where do we start? Because how do we make change that is achievable and sustainable rather than going in really, really heavy for the first couple of weeks and then fizzling out by the middle of January. You've mentioned a lot of really good words there, Nicole. So absolutely what you want to achieve is something that is achievable um, and sustainable, as you say. But the the, the first thing, the, the, the big word is, is direction, okay? So that is what... Um, you know, I'm I'm not a I'm not a massive goal person. The most important goals are the are the daily ones. You know, they're they are it's much more about forming good habits. You know, that's that's what we're gonna try and achieve on this show. Um now in or you need some direction though, and that's where the goal comes in. Um you've got to be careful about you know, there's there's somewhere between dreams and reality you know this this is where we've got to be careful i always say if, if someone has a dream dreams are great and they can be inspiring and they can give us a really warm fuzzy feeling but at some point we have to wake up and face reality and um, that's the that's the key with them whereas uh with a goal and we'll, we'll get in how, how to set a good goal that's basically to give you direction okay it's a little bit like saying it with a sat nav okay that's that's the end in sight now there is no you do not focus on the goal because that's that's the end. What you need to focus on is okay, I know where I'm trying to go, but like what I need to focus on now is do I turn left or right when I go out of my driveway? You know, like what do what do I do right now? What do I do today? What do I do tomorrow? Um and also I think from a fulfillment point of view and an enjoyment point of view, I don't think I'm having a, a conversation with 
Um, and even if I am having a conversation with professional people who want to win an Olympic medal or a championship medal or Kentucky or something like that, you, you've got to enjoy the journey. You have to. We are human beings. Our, our fundamental instinct is to survive. It's not to thrive. Okay, so we, we've got to be careful about always chasing something. The most important thing is that we enjoy the process. We enjoy our daily pursuit. Um, I, I say I am addicted to progress. You know, like I do love that. It does drive me. Um, but I'm focused on process. I love that what I do, to, you know, how I progress and how I get there is, um, is really what I'm focusing on. So that's the, that's the framework of this, Nicole. Yes, we're going to talk about goals a little bit but really what we want people to get out of this show is how am I going to achieve those and that comes down to their training system and their training plan so we'll be talking about that okay so is a good place to start kind of assessing where we currently are because it's it's like um taking a very you know obvious one you get to the new year maybe you've eaten plenty over Christmas and you want to lose a little bit of weight you kind of want to get on the scales to start with to see where you're at and kind of assess what so you can manage it and progress it so do we need to look at our current kind of you know what we did last season what we're currently doing with our horses at the moment before we make a plan for what we've got coming up yeah absolutely um you know look from from an eventing point of view dressage and show jumping are pretty simple if you if you take your average penalties over your last six competitions, um, at we call these the, the simple metrics. There's nothing too scientific behind that. But your your six run average in dressage, um, and and the same for show jumping. You you look at those, and um, it's easy to. I mean, the practical thing is you're never setting a goal that is you know, a, a little bit too achievable is like, it, so say I want to take a mark, my, my six run average in dressage is 33. And I say, right, my goal is that my six run average at the end of the year is 32. That does not stop my six run average dipping as low as a 30 or a 29. And most of us um, probably, if if setting a goal is going to be if we're gonna if if that's going to be a problem if we're going to get that wrong it's probably because we've been too ambitious not and not that we've not been ambitious enough you know it's it's as I say it's all about giving us direction um but it is important that it's it's achievable um and it's realistic and it's not going to to stop us from underperforming in certain things because you know the sport is you know, sports like that. I, I think it, I think that's that's it's very relevant to sport. And maybe in work, you know, if we said like in terms of sales figures or or things like that, where it's a little bit more of a struggle and a little bit more of an effort. I think if you set an easy goal there, yes, you might not get the best out of someone. But this isn't work. This is about uh, sport and a hobby and being competitive. Um, so set something that you can just just try and knock a point or even half a point off those. And you can always reassess. You know, if by the time you've got three competitions into the season and you've already improved those averages by over a mark, you can always set new goals. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, so just do that with the averages. Cross country is a little bit different. Um, you want to be looking at your clear. It's probably over 10 runs. And the key I would say here is, you know, average cross country rates, particularly at national level, tend to be up around 75%. So, you know, if your clear rate is 60%, 
you could be looking at that going, oh, I'm going clear more often than I'm not. You know, I feel pretty good about things. I've got a 60% strike rate. You're well below the average. You know, you, you've, you've got to be careful. I don't want to get too technical on, on where you should be depending on what level you're at and things like that, whether you're planning on stepping up. But you should be looking to get those success rates certainly over 80% because at least then you're, you're over average. Um, but if you're looking on stepping up a level and things like that, you know, you, you are, as I say, you, you've got to allow for, um, and you've got to look cross country, you've got to be careful. You've got to look beyond your stats a little bit in cross country as well. How am I achieving my clears? Uh, do I feel a little bit out of control? Uh, where there are quite a lot of sort of near miss moments and things like that. You, you do need to look behind the numbers a little bit as well. Um, there's goals that you can set with your trainer in terms of, you know, training scores and things like that. You know, you can be creative there. Um, but that's just the one caveat I would say. I think that I think dressage and show jumping is a little bit easier. I think with cross country, you've got to be careful. You do, you need to set slightly higher standards for yourself. Um, and of course, we have the Erky and things like that for USEA members as well, which is a really good cross country metric. I think it's one of those things, isn't it? Of actually, sometimes you can be a little bit surprised when you kind of put it down on, on paper in black and white. You can surprise yourself in a good way, and you can surprise yourself in a perhaps thinking you were actually better than you the numbers are saying you are and it's a really good exercise to be able to do it would you recommend when you're setting goals um and we're sort of looking at this in January but would you recommend doing sort of one big goal for the year a couple of smaller ones bit of both how far in advance should we be looking or is that purely personal no, I, I think I think pick a, a point and, and look, season goals are really, you, all you're looking for here is, is a direction and to bring a little bit of focus. The goal, the real crux of what we're trying to achieve here is how we're going to achieve those goals with cross country, the type of exercises we're doing, how we're structuring our season, how we're preparing for the season and how we're going to be ready for those clinics, whether it's it's training with a coach, um, whether it's the early competitions, um, it's it's getting to that point. So don't worry too much. I think that you know the goal the goal setting here is you know, and this is an important message for for a show like this. You know, it is not a, it's not a case of going. I've set really good targets for 2023. I'm really happy. Job that is that's not it at all. It's about okay. I've I've set sensible targets. Season targets are absolutely fine. The problem with mid-season targets is that it might, you know, we, we might only compete two or three times by the, by the time we get to June. Um, so depend, if you know you're going to have competed five or six times by then, then for sure you could, you could do something for the end of the season. But the main thing is, um, you know, it's, it's, we're in early January now. A lot of people won't be competing until, say, March time. Um, that we've we've got ourselves a little bit of purpose so that we don't waste January and February. You know, that's the key. Or and, and that we're certainly ready to hit March, April time, hit the ground running, have a sound horse, have a strong horse, and have a have a and have as much of the foundation done as we need to. Okay. So how about direction then? We all know that I love a plan. And this time of year, I particularly love a plan. Um, so how do we kind of, we've got our goals, how do we kind of put the structure and the process in place to get to that point? 
Okay, so training system, like that must be one of the words that we hear loads of, particularly, I mean, look, whatever sport you're following, people say, you know, the the system is working and things like that. What's a training system? It's kind of, it's just, it's your structure, you know, it's, it's, um, and, and eventing has a great thing in that we have variety anyway, because we have dressage, show jumping, cross country, um, and I think that the, the structure to your week, uh, and it's usually best to work. I work in weeks, you know, some people work on 10 days or, um, you know, maybe even two week, uh, rotations and things like that. Um, for me, a, a one week training system works very, very well. And for me, that is as simple as fitting in the three things, which are flat work, fitness, and footwork. Um, footwork covers all manner of jumping. There doesn't need to be too much jump. You don't need to leave the ground two days a week um, in terms of having a show jumping day and a cross-country day. Um, I will talk about pole work and, and, and things like that later on. Great ways to improve your own accuracy as a rider, your control, bring in a little bit of, uh, you know, be working on collection and adjustability for a horse, but uh, rather than just sort of, doing that on, on the flat without much variety, having some poles on the ground and things like that for them to think about. Even just working on in undulation, in undulating spaces uh, and working a little bit off terrain is going to help with footwork uh, and general balance and coordination and stuff like that. So nice variety for the horse. Um, but you, it basically what, what having, and, and so I have, um, I have one rest day in my seven day week and I have two, flat work days, two fitness days and two footwork days. Um, every day has got warming up and warming down. So there's an element of suppleness. I'm always looking for the symmetry and the straightness of the horse. There are things that I'm working on that are kind of flat work related on a daily basis. And, and, and they're part of those warm ups. Um, but what it means is that I don't, you, what you want to avoid is waking up going, okay, what are we going to do today? You know, like I think that's, I think that is where a lot of people get lost. And then also maybe finishing the day going, oh God, I'm really not sure we had any focus on what we were trying to achieve um, or, you know, how that was fitting in. There are days, there are absolutely fun days when you don't have to be, um, you know, really focused on trying to achieve a certain level of flat work or or jump a certain height uh, or do a certain related distance or something like that. They don't all have to be really intense either mentally or physically. They can be very enjoyable days, but they still do fit into the system. Like even those easy fun days are planned because they're ni- they're nice kind of recovery days from the, from the more intense days. Um, so I think having that, if, if, if that fits for you guys, um, that is my training system. Those, those three, there's three things, uh, and I and I don't do back to back flat work days or back to back fitness days. Um, I literally go flat work, fitness, footwork, flat work, fitness, footwork. Um, that's the structure of a three day event as well. I like I like to do my I like to do my jumping days after my fitness days. Um, I just think that that helps to get the horse sort of used to um, the recovery, and you you get a feel for that as well. Um, but we'll go through when we go to our training plan and intensity and stuff like that. It, this doesn't, these aren't going to be, we're not going to suddenly hit our first week in January really, really hard. Um, but we do still have a structure to work with them. So, cause I love structure, 
But how do you account for that sort of level of flexibility that you might need? Because, it, I, I mean, for example, you might have an absolutely horrendous storm one day and you haven't got an indoor school and actually you were meant to be doing flat work. And really, you don't you don't fancy getting absolutely drenched the bone or it's not practical or it's not safe or whatever. So how do you account for flexibility? How does that work? Well, there's two ways of being flexible. There's one, you... you of course you can move the days around, you know, like if today was meant to be um, a jumping day and, you know, the indoor flooded and, or the arena flooded or something. So we just couldn't put jump, you know, you just physically can't jump. So you're going to have to move, you might have to move your jumping day. That happens. That can, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't worry. Um, And, uh, but then there are other ways to be flexible, which is, you know, today was meant to be a fitness day, but, uh, you know, the, the place where I go to canter the horses is closed for maintenance or something like that. Um, and actually I'm not going to be able to use that. Or for me, it might be that actually all of my outdoor spaces are frozen and I usually do all of my fitness work out outside. And all I have now is my 20 by 40 indoor arena, but I do need to, get some fitness work into this horse. I don't want to go a week without actually working, you know, increasing the aerobic capacity. So there you can, I've absolutely done. I've, I've actually prepared a racehorse for a racehorse trainer, uh, a horse who really didn't enjoy the gallops. So we did all of their prep in the 20 by 40 indoor arena, like literally in a small dressage arena. Um, you know, just changes of rain, figures of eight, just cantering for long periods of time. You can do it with a heart rate monitor if you want to do if you want to do that. Um, but of course, you can do that. And even if you want to get the heart rate up a little bit, you know, you can. It's amazing what you can do doing extended canter down the long side, transition back to collected canter, transition back up to you know extended canter on the next long side, and repeating those. You you'd be surprised how high you can get that heart rate. Um, so it can it can all be done. Um, you can be flexible. So those those are two ways. You know, you don't have to you don't have to stick completely rigid, religiously for the structure. But the key is that you have a you're kind of going okay. I'm moving to plan B rather than not ever having a plan A, B, or C in the first place. That's what you want to avoid. I love how the examples you gave were really practical, like the facilities weren't usable. I was I was just basically saying if it was raining and yeah. I was being a bit of a fair weather rider, um, how could I build flexibility in listeners? You're talking to an Irishman here, Nicole. I if know. it wasn't if I couldn't train when it was raining, my lord, I'd be I'd be having four months of the year completely off. Yeah. Um, okay, so what about the plan then? How do we actually build this up? Um, so that we can kind of increase the intensity of it in a safe way. Yeah. So look, the, the magic word here is per- periodization. Um, I ended up saying that with an American accent. Sorry, folks, that wasn't intentional. <laughs> Wrong pod to words. do it on Sam. Yeah, Wrong exactly. Part. It's it's one. It's it is one of those words I struggle saying. Um, but this is the idea that look, we can't um, off time is important for everybody mentally for sure. Um, how long you've given your horse off for me, it, it comes down to what suits individual horses. It as a general rule, if I don't know a horse very well, I tend to give my younger horses longer periods of time off. Um, so like the, the four-year-olds at the end of their first year, will get six weeks to two months just back in the field being horses out in the herd, 
um, and just completely enjoying themselves. The older horses, some would love, Imperial Sky would have loved a two months off. Yes, please. We'll come back into work in January. So much happier and more enthusiastic about his work. Um, Bushman are the highlight. Wouldn't, would, it wouldn't suit them. It wouldn't suit them physically and actually mentally. They, they wouldn't have been as happy in the field anyway. You know, they'd be standing at the gate kind of kicking it, being wanting to come back in. Um, so the older horses don't always get as long off. But the key is, is that at some point we need downtime. Then we've got to build back up. And so even if you've only given your horse maybe three, four weeks of downtime, um, then you still, you, you, you might not need to have eight weeks of a base building phase, you know, you could, you could probably do it in four, but it's still, it's still good. I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to need your horse at full intensity for nine months of the year. And good luck to you trying to keep a horse at peak, uh, condi- you know, peak, peak physical condition for nine months of the year. Um, so just have that kind of have that for me, January and February is all about building their capacity, um, for harder training later on it's not high intensity what we're trying to do is we're just trying to build volume early on in the season okay and I guess it's it's worth at this point and I think a good few people would have probably already had a really good idea as to sort of when their first event might be as to kind of when they're looking to out whether it be April whether they're planning to go um, down to sort of a Carla Florida area and do something in the very, very early part of the season and therefore they might be a little bit further on in their training than others who gave their horses a, a bit of a longer holiday. Um, I suppose that is a kind of a really obvious key point as to kind of knowing mm. what your target is at this point. And then I guess assessing if that's realistic as well. Yeah, exactly. Oh, for sure you want to work back. Um I'll give you know, I'll give you some practical examples. Um for me, I, I would have two more advanced horses. Uh, Rocket Man will, I will want at peak, peak fitness uh, by the end of April. And I will use the events in March to help bring him there. So I won't be trying to make the time in March, but I will be competing in March. So I have to have him about 75% to 80% fit in March for those early competitions. Talisman, we might, um, you know, Thorsby is in in, the way I'd be, I'd be looking at it in my mind. And and I, and I've prepared for this by having him ticking over in work throughout December is because of ground conditions. I don't want to be running him in June or May um, as much. We might have to run him in May just because of of how the, the season is panned out. Um, but I'd love him to get a good result probably at the end of March. So I actually want to have him peaking a lot sooner. So I've actually started his his prep. So he's going to have to be doing some higher intensity work in February, whereas Rocketman doesn't really need to be doing as much higher intensity work in February. Um, all of the, you know, the, the standards of what was Talisman doing throughout December as part of his base phase that, that I'd brought forward a little bit, um, the the flat work sessions they don't really need to change you're just not and this is partly mentally as well of course you could be working on you know your your more power based 
dressage you know your extended trots your your collection um you know really collecting that canter and 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 getting the hind legs engaged and maybe doing flying changes and things like that you could be working on that um and it's not necessarily proper high intensity work that we consider um, or that we associate with cross country but it's 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 quite it's it's like weightlifting stuff. I still think you want to lay a foundation for that. So I wouldn't be work. I wouldn't be doing high intense dressage in my base faces either. Um, you know, I'm really I want the horses really supple, and I just want to be building up there. I want to be starting off with twenty minute flat work sessions, putting on five minutes a week, so that you know at the end of the month we're now um, we're now doing you know up to kind of forty, getting close to forty minutes um flat work sessions and then we could be you know if you need to put another five minutes on it or whatever i I personally i don't go over about 45 minutes um for a session anyway um and that's what you're doing you're you're building it with your jump you can still be you don't need to be leaving the ground so much we do quite a little bit a lot of loose jumping at this time of year because by taking the weight off their back you're giving the horses it's a great way to give the horses a day off you know a lot of people be doing lunging and things like that um, we do a bit, a little bit of that as well. That that could maybe replace a flat work day. It's nice to, again, early in the season, consider the weight carrying element for the horse as well. Particularly the younger horses, it's nice to give their back a day off. Loose jumping, I just love because the horses love it. It mentally, it's great. They learn so fast. If they make a mistake when they're jumping by themselves, they learn so quickly because they can't blame the rider and the rider didn't make the mistake. Um, so loose jumping is great fun for the horse and actually really, really effective. Um, and I guess also the rider can't make it too perfect, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you, you're relying on the horse to actually make a, make a decision and figure it out for themselves. Absolutely. Like, to be honest, I would say, Nicole, to anyone who, who's competing um, kind of below, a, 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 you know, at a metre 10 and below, if you have the right speed to a fence you should there there is no wrong takeoff point you know now some horses can struggle to shuffle in an extra stride but again that's what you're practicing with the loose jumping so you've got to be careful if your horse tends to to go really really fast um be be careful with the loose jumping but that again is is a way to get get them used to just going around wherever you you loose school them that they just get in there for a minute and don't use jumps for a while. Just just let them take a breather and relax. And some of that sort of freshness will go out of them to get them used to the routine. We do so much loose jumping um, that they do get used to that and they go in. Some horses are a little bit too slow. They just don't get going. And that's that's where you've got maybe two people rather than one person in there to help encourage the horse and say, come on, just, just keep the energy up. Um, and they'll find that a horse that's a little bit sticky with the jumping Again, with the loose jumping, without the weight on their back, without sort of being got after too much, um, they'll start to jump for themselves. Keep the fences small. Just get them used to kind of doing it. But you'll find a horse, and it's great to watch, and it'll give you the confidence to say that jumping is really, really simple, and cross-country is really simple. I say there's four things. You've got a straightness is one. Getting the speed right is the other. Being soft with our hands and our seats, so actually trying to – I always think like it should be like a horse loose jumping and we should be trying to, to, to not get in the way too much. So let, let the horse do their job. Um, that's the softness. And the fourth one, just stay on, you know, like that's, you just got to stay on the board. So the be straight. S's. Yeah. The four, the four S's. S's. It's very simple. It's very simple. Straight speed, 
softness and staying on. Yeah. A lot of people don't teach softness enough for, for cross country, but the where you'll a horse, and again, this is where you see the loose jumping, you'll see horses really clever at at adding in an extra stride or very happy to stand off a fence as well, maybe to t- take off a little bit further back. Where that looks a little bit, it's like one of those, oh my God moments when there's a rider on board is generally because we've been swinging out of them a little bit. You know, if there's too much contact and we're holding on, that's when it suddenly looks awkward and uncomfortable for the horse. And then it's awkward and comfortable um, for, for the rider to feel and for the spectators to watch. Um, whereas if we're just softer and we're just perched on top and we're just around the horse and we're there and we're saying, okay, buddy, I've got this, I've given you the direction. So the straightness is there. I've got the speed, right? We're not going too fast. We're not going too slow. If you're, if you're soft and you're not going too fast, you're not going too slow and you're straight and you stay on, honestly, you, you cannot get it wrong. You really can't. It sounds so simple when you put it like that. It is. It's just hard. It's just, there is a difference between simple and easy folks. I'm well aware of it. Um, But generally that's what you got to be. It it actually can be that simple and that's what you got to aim for. So what else do we need to think about with our training plan? Um, I want to pick your brains on, I guess, mindset a little bit at this time of year. So before we go on to that, is there anything else from our training plan perspective that we need to consider and, and keep in mind? Look, rule number one is just no surprises. So um, to, to the horse kind of um, certainly from a physical point of view. So that's how we avoid injuries and stuff like that. So, um, you know, progressive loading in terms of loading the volume for, for that sort of six to eight base period where you want to think to yourself, this really helps folks if you've got a hot horse, if you've got a horse who, who gets quite worked up, um, they basically you know you don't all have to work with heart rate monitors you, you you can feel this but you don't ever want to feel that that moment where the heart is racing you know it's 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 about it's all kind of equates to sort of jogging intensity um you should be happy doing it they they will sweat just from like the same way we'd sweat if we'd been for a jog but you recover quite quickly it's called it's the difference between aerobic and anaerobic work basically you don't produce lactic acid and you can produce lactic acid within five minutes and, and you just have a dressage saddle on if the horse was just buzzy and tense and choppy and everything. And everything just needs to slow down. You know, that's what we need to get rid of. Walking, trotting. The minute the heart rate gets up, you just bring it back down to a walk, have a break, let the heart rate get back down and do a little bit more. Um, and and the, just by avoiding that heart rate really spiking that's that's really what you're trying to avoid in, in everything you do um in in those first six to eight weeks and then you're just going to slowly start to bring in once you once you've got that base phase done and you you've you're able to work your horse for 45 minutes or you're able to what you should be trying to achieve folks is if you have to do a five minute course at say 500 meters per minute you should be trying to be able to canter twice the distance at about 60% of the speed. So being able to do 10 minutes of cantering at 300 meters per minute is what you should be trying to build up to at the end of your base phase. Then you start, then your volume is fine. And actually your volume is going to reduce as you go into the next stage of training, but you'll be now focusing instead of focusing on 10 minutes of cantering. And, and I've been building that up from say two minute sets to 
four minute sets to six minute sets to eventually 10 minute sets. Um, now you're going to look at that speed, the 300 meters per minute, and you're going to go, right, I need to do um, some work at 330 and then 360. And now I need to work, I need to get my speed up towards 500 meters per minute. And it'd be the same with, again, that's the point at which your show, your jumps, you're going to start jumping higher, you know, with your grid work and things like that. You're going to start building up your scope a little bit. If you're trying, if you want to compete at a meter, um, if you've got nice exercises like, like grid work and things like that, you know, your horse should be able to jump a meter 10, a meter 15, just so you've got that little bit extra in hand. Um, you know, when you're, when you're jumping those big tables at speed and things like that. And again, it's where your dressage is probably going to go up a little bit where you, you can start, you know, working more on the medium trots and stuff like that. Um, because again, this is all about building a sounder athlete that we've not taken an athlete that's been off games uh, and relaxed and a little bit like we are all a little bit out of shape and maybe a little bit overweight. Uh, we've spent those six to eight weeks getting everything going again, ligaments, bones, everything sort of, you need to stress the body, but stress it in an, in a, in an appropriate way. They recover, they get stronger now they're ready for the for the intensity to go up so if our horses are going through this kind of process um what should we do ourselves to get ourselves ready because i i think that you made a really good point there in so much as we've been talking about how we get our horses to be kind of ready for the season and all of the thought that goes into that but actually we need to think about ourselves just as much in, again, a kind of a safe, structured way to make sure that we're ready to go as well. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a really good point, Nicole. And it's actually, it's why most people's January promises to themselves will fail in terms of exercise because they'll break the rule that I just told you, which is no surprises. And what we'll do is we'll go, we're out of shape. And when, they, when we go for a run, we won't just go for a five-minute jog at a ridiculously so, slow speed because, A, if anybody's watching, we don't want people to think like, oh, my God, who is that person like crawling along and they're only doing five minutes and they've now stopped? Like how embarrassing if we're in a gym or somewhere like that. We'll be worried about people looking at us thinking, no, what we need to do is we need to go and run pretty much as fast as we can for as long as we can on day one of our new fitness. Now, if you don't end up hurting yourself and injuring yourself because you've pushed yourself too hard, your brain is going to tell your body or your body is going to tell your brain, I didn't enjoy that. And the next time that exercise enters your mind, your brain is going to say, no, no, brain means punishment. And that's absolutely what we are trying to avoid. It's why so many racehorses get overtraining syndrome. What we need to do is by setting by really incrementally like starting gentle and just trying to build and again for us the volume like go for a walk in the first week of january don't even go for a run go for a walk first get your body moving then start to bring in some jogs and not too much start to like let your body adapt and let your mind realize that actually exercise isn't punishment because that's what most of us do most of us and i did it myself for 30 five years i think whenever i did exercise i just punished myself and i was terrible at it as well as a result um whereas i've learned through this process to <clears throat> sorry to not only enjoy it myself and benefit from it myself but to then understand it a lot better from my horse's point of view as well i always remember it would have been god 
good number of years ago, uh, I took a kettle class at the beginning of January. Um, I'm presuming in America you have kettle size with the, the big kettlebells. Um, anyway, I went to this class and it was, quite frankly, horrifically brutal. Um, and they knew I was a beginner, but basically beasted me and I couldn't move. Uh, that was fine. I woke up the next day and thought, oh, I don't feel too bad. Um, by the end of the following day, I mean, I physically couldn't move. I couldn't, I couldn't sit on the toilet. I couldn't get in my car. I was in a right state of um, basically just shocked my body with some sort of aggressive exercise. And I mean, we're probably, this was about 10 years ago. I still remember the pain. There is absolutely no way in hell I'm going to go and pick up a, a kettlebell and do any kind of repeat performance. Um, I had great intentions going in. And quite honestly, I'm really glad that I'm lucky I didn't get away with actually doing myself some proper damage. Um, but it was it's looking at it now, it's a great example of actually that was that was setting myself up to fail. That was never gonna work. Um yeah. and I, and now all I can remember is the horrible bits. <laughs> no, it's so true. Like you I think I I mean I wouldn't have believed this either, that like running for me was always torture because I wasn't very good at it but also because like I think back to to school like when I was in school what we did in September is we basically just you know that the, our our coaches were just looking at a bunch of teenagers that had done nothing but like it was Ireland I mean even at the age of 14 we were probably out drinking during the summer um, <laughs> and we were just out of shape um not recommended folks and absolutely not practiced now uh myself anymore but um so you were just basically whipped into shape and it was, it wasn't fun. You know, it wasn't fun. It was, it was sore and it was hard work, but actually it can be fun. So the endorphins that get released by exercise, you will be surprised. Um, like I am now, I now love a run and, and there'll be times when I, when I will a be sort of like quite upset if being like, Oh my God, I'm not able, I'm not able, I haven't been able to run for the last three, four days, uh, for a different reason. I've been traveling, I've been this, been that, um, timing just doesn't work out and you'll start to miss it you know like who would have thought certainly I would never have thought that would be the case but it is if you if you if you as long as you just don't punish yourself um, and you you build it up slowly so that's a great thing to do because it's a great thing to to have in your life mentally physically um, if you can have a good relationship with exercise um, it will really stand you in good stead and that's that's just all about starting slow and kind of just under underachieving in a way um is in, you know like just not setting those big lofty targets trying to if you want to fit into a wedding dress in two weeks by all means um it's not <laughs> good for you it's not recommended but like the most effect is to starve yourself and and abuse your body and torture your body but it's not going to help you mentally or physically in but after those two weeks you'll be absolutely oh, you'll getting bounce. redressed and you'll you'll crack on again and there'll yeah. be no long-lasting change. Um, the last thing I want to ask you about is mindset. And this kind of um, start of the year, I think everybody is kind of assessing their life. Certainly I've looked at it and got, right, I really need more kind of life balance and what can I do to make myself more efficient or more effective and that kind of thing. But also from a um, that's kind of the practical sense, but from a nerves perspective, or, you know, maybe we, we do get really nervous. Maybe our nerves really do affect our performance. What can we do now that will actually help us as, as things progress through the year to kind of make the changes mentally as well as physically? 
Well, like I'll take the the first half is kind of that um, ambition one, you know, from a from a mental point of view, um, and and that's kind of the, you, you know how much pressure do we put on ourselves? I guess um, I would go back to the it's it's not always helpful to be setting huge ambitions and certainly putting huge focus on something in the future, you know by the end of this year, I, w- I want to have done X or maybe even, you know, in three years time, I, w- I want to be Y or, you know, have been to Olympics or have, um, you know, done something massive in, in business or done something like that. Um, a <clears throat> focusing on something that's that far away is, is means you're, you're not going to focus on the important things, which is actually what you do today. Um, but it also means you're going to, it's back to what I was saying. You're, you're, you're going to miss the journey, you know, you're, you're, and you're always going to chase, you know, so the, the person who's been to one Olympics will want to go to two. Um, you know, the person who's made a million is going to want to make a billion. Um, you know, so chasing, chasing dreams or, or, or chasing goals, um, be careful of it, you know, where you've, you've got to enjoy things. And I, and again, I say, you know, a lot of the mental health, mental health is a, is, is much more of a first world problem than it is a third world problem. Um, and it can come from that, you know, it can, it can come from a lot of the pressures that we put on ourselves and that society can kind of put on ourselves. Um, remember it's, it's, it's not in everyone's DNA, um, to leave the cave and, and go and discover the world. You know, it is, it is absolutely okay to give yourself permission to say, you know, this year I'm actually going to really enjoy time with my family. I'm going to go and visit my grandmother because I don't know how many years she's going to be left or I, I'm going to check in on my parents or my brothers or sister, you know, whoever it is, friends, family, um, children, whoever, you know, like it, it, it's absolutely okay because actually as human beings, that's what we're really we're really good at. So give yourself permission to just enjoy life. Okay. That's, that's the first one. So I think just be, just be careful. I know this is a goal setting, uh, you know, podcast and, and you might need that. The flip side of that is stress. You know, I think you've got to be, um, careful about like, stress is a, is a good thing as well. So I always say stress plus recovery is growth. And if we want to grow as individuals, do not be afraid of stress. So what you were saying, Nicole, about nerves and things like that, when you, when you find yourself under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress or a lot of anxiety or a lot of nerves, basically the, the stress level is, 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 is too much. Okay. That does not mean avoid that situation. What it means is you've maybe not prepared yourself um what you know maybe you're upgrading too quickly and you and you kind of know in your heart of hearts being like okay i did i did two classes at a meter and i'm now stepping up to a meter 10 but actually like i kind of got away with it at those meter classes and i'm now really nervous you've you've just you've just gone too far too fast um and that's why you have pressure on yourself but it's good. You must also embrace the pressure when you're when you're com- when you're competing just outside of your comfort zone. And you should put yourself out of your comfort zone every now and then. We, you know, it's 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 good. It's good for us. Don't don't think that it's not. Um, so as much as I said, enjoy the journey and don't always focus on big goals. Don't shy away from pressure either. You know, like you're not going to get through life without having setbacks or without having challenges. 
And the more you can put yourself, but the key here is just outside your comfort zone. Don't go stepping a million miles out of your comfort zone. You're not prepared for it. You're not condi- in the same way we've talked about getting the body, re- uh, the yeah, the body ready uh, for exercise and and gradually in- increasing that load and gradually increasing that intensity. It is the exact same for us mentally. You know, if we've never been for a job interview, I mean, we're not going to get an interview to be like the head of Google or something. But like, that's not going to be your first job interview. Um, and actually ask your, um, I've kind of gone off, off a question and things here, but, but it, I think that everybody's, it, it, it hits us in all sorts of walks of life, but you actually should ask maybe a friend of the family who has worked in the line of work that you're thinking of working in and say, w- you wouldn't mind just if we kind of do a mock interview, you know, have you got five, 10 minutes, um, just to help me with it and maybe put me in that situation a little bit. That will help. And it's the same with training and cross country um, that you make sure like that's what you're training when you're there with your coach that you're saying, okay, we don't have to do a full cross country course at full speed, but we need to do something that's kind of 80% of the way there so that I now feel ready to actually go and do the real course by myself when you're not there. So it's, it's so similar, Nicole, it's just preparation I really love that. And actually, I would be a big advocate and a big fan of kind of pushing out of a comfort zone. And I think if you gradually just make little pushes out of your comfort zone, they might feel big at the time, but actually they then become within your comfort zone and your comfort zone expands. And and then you just take it the next step as well. Um, And also, I have to go back to, to the point of fun it's meant to be fun. The whole journey is meant to be fun. And as Sam, you started at the the top of the show by saying, you know, to be sustainable, you've got to enjoy the journey to get to the goal. Um, and so I think that is the biggest overriding message from this show that that we can give you listeners of enjoy the journey, because actually that will get the goal in the long run. Um, and hopefully there is a, a good number of tidbits from this show that will help you along the way as well. And um, Sam, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. I always love these kinds of shows. And I'm not going to lie, listeners, uh, I came into recording this thinking, right, come on, let's get 2023 and let's see what we can make of it. Um, so I have really, really enjoyed this and I hope you guys have too. But Sam, thank you and good luck in 2023. Have you got a goal? Can you share a goal with us or are they... Not sure. Do you know what? No, I mean, all of the, all of the, um, yeah, we, we have directions that we're trying to go in with. Um, I think Talisman will, will focus on Burley more than <gasps> badminton. So we're looking at, we're looking at that for the autumn campaign. We might not even do in order to, to have him really ready for that. We might actually keep him quite quiet during the spring because he gets quite worked up and things like that. So in order to have him settled and relaxed at Burley, we might just sort of have a gentle first half of the season and peak him there so that's what we're working towards um with him yeah you got excited with that i was gonna say you were brilliant (laughs) yeah well look i i mean i'll I'll have to fit in it'll be hard because i really enjoyed all of your coverage both live and then your podcast diaries at burley this year so actually it was like a full it was like a it was like a 12-hour day trying to follow ecrates and trying to follow nicole brown um at Burley last year so I don't know how that I'll do that whilst I'm also riding there um but that's the first one but it it is it's the it's feeling that the days are more productive and I won't lie either like I you're talking to someone who has a 
an eight and a nine year old, you know, two two kids, eight and nine year old, a wife who's amazing, but you also need to, um, I mean, she's the most important person in the family. And then you know, we've got equity ratings. We, 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 we've got a business that we've been building and, and then there's the horses as well. And then I love teaching. I love coaching. So I do, I do quite a lot of coaching as well. Um, and actually I've got to be careful. Like I've actually said, I'm going to, I might have to do a little bit less in places as well, you know? So like, that's one of the goals talking about, I do enjoy everything. I do all of those things complement each other and I'm lucky to enjoy all of those different parts. Um, but you know, sometimes it's about getting the balance right as well. So, you know, that, that's one of the things is just to say like, you, you know, just, I, I don't, I think I'll only have two international horses. So it'll probably be the eventing where I'll be quieter than normal. Um, I'm more than likely not going to be at a championship this year and that's okay. I've sort of given myself permission for that. Ecorating show jumping is growing an awful lot. Um, but Archie and Toby Watson are also growing an awful lot as well. So mm-hmm. I'll be spending a lot of time with them. It is right that because there are so many different pieces to everybody's puzzle and actually they've all got to fit together and they've all got to work together. And sometimes we just need to juggle them around a little bit and find a new way of piecing them together. Um, Sam, thank you as always. It has been a pleasure to have you on the USCA podcast. Uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in. A very, very, very happy new year. I hope uh, no matter what your plans are for 2023, um, that it is a good year for you. And we have got lots in store on the podcast. We've got a, a few more Hall of Fame episodes. The Valentine special is going to be back, mm. listeners. It is always one of our most popular shows, and it is going to be back in 2023. So keep your ears peeled for that very soon. Uh, but for now, that is all we've got time for. Big thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with more. Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.